What's going on guys? Happy Monday. Sorry to interrupt podcast here. So today Sean and I are doing our traditional podcast pretty much going around sports and then following that tomorrow night we will be recording the NFL podcast. Half of it previewing and half of it recapping week one. So we jumped right into some college football this week going over the notables from the recent week and then looking ahead to the next week and then we went on to the MLB where we talked to a lot of Yankees now and in the future um, and then we went around the divisions and pretty much talked about the teams that we think are, are in the playoff hunt and that are eventually going to make the playoff and then we went on a little bit of a tangent about um, Shohei Otani just because it was stupid so um, enjoy the pod and we'll talk to you tomorrow. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. It is our first of two podcasts this week. Uh, we're covering all the other sports today. Tom, regular happy Monday. Pod. Yeah. The regular pod. What's going on, man? Uh, I'm dying to talk NFL, but well, that'll have to wait till gonna, tomorrow you're night. You're going to have to wait till tomorrow night. That's okay. <sighs> we got plenty of hot takes, and we got your boys playing right now. Yeah, I'm uh, currently watching the Jets. Sam Pay Darnold attention, man. Coming <laughs> off a pick six, but... He let him down for a touchdown after that. We'll so. have all the reactions for you guys tomorrow. Um, but first things first that we're going to start with today um, as we're going to cover some baseball as well as the pennant chase is heating up again another week later. Uh, we are going to talk some college football and the notable week two matchups that we watched. There were some good games and the one that we kind of pinpointed and circled last week discussing the uh, – the week two matchups was that Clemson game down in College Station facing a A lot better than I thought. Led, uh, really, that was that lived up to the hype, man. That was a great game. Clemson held on by two, but it was not easy. Jimbo Fisher has already uh, made a good footprint down there at College Station. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, that team looked looked really, really good, but. You know, Dabo Sweeney pulls out another win. He does. Well, the team, the, what I took away from it, I'll be interested to get what you saw from it from your standpoint. What I saw was a Texas A&M team that definitely could have won. I won't say should have because they're not the superior team. Um, Clemson won that game because they are the superior team and they're the more battle-tested. Um, they went a little more with that two-quarterback uh with that two quarterback rotation than told I thought. You. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. Um, That's key analysis for me on college football <laughs> take it yes there you go take every win for that um <laughs> i was surprised uh i thought that they were really going to go with brian kelly a lot more um they did not and uh trevor lawrence dude has a gun and he looked poised for his first pass of the night through a touchdown pass yeah no i mean he he's got a cannon for an arm and i'm he might be one of those guys where they're talking about him for a while as a as a top po- prospect along with the Georgia quarterback and a few others. So, I mean, th- that was a fun game to watch. And, I mean, I think that the head coach made a really good impact in College Station to start his, uh, to really start his career off. And I thought – I didn't think that game was going to be competitive. No, I thought the only way that could have been competitive was because I really do like Jimbo Fisher as a coach. I thought he was going to have his team ready to play. I, I was expecting maybe, you know, a touchdown difference, but it would be close late. Pond played really well for Texas A&M. He fits that Jimbo Fisher offense really well. He's got the arm. He's got the speed. Accuracy is really his only uh, last tool that he needs to work on, um, but showed a lot of flashes that he could be really good. I'm interested to see now, 
are they that next team in the in the SEC West? We thought this might be a down year for A&M going in unranked. Um, I don't know if they're going to get ranked having, you know, the loss as the end result. But I think to a lot of people around college football, they played that game about as well as you could have and just lost to the superior team at the end. Yeah, I think they're about, you know, a few years of recruiting away. Fisher really getting his feet wet down there. But, you know, they, they, they have one of the biggest student bases and some of the most money out of any big-time program. So, And Texas is just – I don't think they're one of the darling college football programs anymore. And I think Texas A&M really has a chance to take over that state, which obviously is – well known as you know a football heaven for for recruiting but moving on to uh, another game that I noticed um, Jimbo Fisher's former school Florida State only beats Samford not Stanford <laughs> Samford by 10 points and that game looked close all the way to the end I didn't catch any of that game I saw the final score I mean, how anemic is that off? How anemic is that team? That quarterback coming off the ACL does not look good at all, I'll tell you that. And that head coach, I mean, I know he coached at Oregon and, and a few other schools and had some success. He was one and done at Oregon. He he should might have stayed up there. I, he should have, I guess. It's tough. He's an FSU alum, um, and the it's going to be the seat is hot and obviously losing Jimbo Fisher we expected them to have a down year but not to this degree I thought Francois was a good quarterback who was going to come back season's still very young we're overreacting but you're right Samford only winning by 10 that's bad especially in a week where you got a lot of power division one uh teams playing cupcakes you know Alabama won by 60 Miami took all, all of their frustration from that LSU game beating, uh, I think, Austin P 77 yep. nothing. Like, Ohio State, our weekly Ohio State update, I think they won like 52-7 to or something yeah, against they, Rutgers. Yeah. They rolled them. So, yeah. you know, no, no real surprise there, and they're probably going to take care of business next week against TCU as well. That game, yeah, at TCU, I'll be interested to see because that's their first real test. Uh, maybe they maybe that game's tight heading into the fourth, but I expect them to run away. Well, you, you mentioned this earlier. I believe early Urban Meyer, he's not allowed to coach in this game, but he's allowed to come back to practice in this game. So, I mean, he's basically going to be coaching. He was able to do that with the Rutgers game, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Last so week he's he was drawing up the game script. I mean, they know exactly what to do on every single play. It's as if he's coaching. So, I, I think Ohio State's probably going to take care of business there. But it'll be interesting to see, especially going down to TCU. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that game on the road could pose a little bit of a problem. We'll see how prepared they are and just how good they are. TCU's not a not a walkover by any chance. But um, going TCU on, TCU is one of those teams where it seems like they're going to be, you know, destined for po- being a you know contender for that college football playoff, and then they lose a game. I think last year they lost to Iowa big time or some. Uh, some they lost team, to Iowa State and Ames. Yeah, 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 you know, and um, it seems like every year it's the same story where they're looking like they're rolling and then they lose to the wrong team at the very wrong time. And, you know, they're always up there, but they they can never put it all together. But moving on to the next game, Oklahoma absolutely murders um, UCLA. How about Kyler Murray? I mean, listen, he was like the sixth overall pick for the athletics. He says this is his only year. I hope he's really good at baseball. I'm assuming he is being a first-round draft pick, but – Damn, he's a hell of a quarterback as well. He really is. And I I know that they didn't play. You know, UCLA is on a down year. They don't have a quarterback Chip yet. Chip Kelly, hot seat? 
No, I think he's there for some time. But Chip Kelly hasn't gotten an opportunity to really mold that team and that offense the way he wants to yet. So they're gonna they're gonna face some adversity, and they're just not gonna beat the good teams yet. But I think he will turn that program. He's a great offensive mind, and I definitely think he's meant for the college game. Um, we'll see what they do going forward. But yeah, Oklahoma took care of business. I'm looking forward to see what Oklahoma does this week. Mentioning at Ames, Iowa State who has a reputation for knocking off some some top uh, Big 12 teams. Oklahoma's going in there. That's a hostile environment. Usually it's tougher in November or so, but early on, that's going to be their first big test. Yeah, absolutely. And Chip Kelly kind of reminds me of, um, I'm not going to compare them coaching-wise or whatever, but in this sense of a, of a Nick Saban where it's like, I mean, listen, if Nick Saban got Drew Brees in Miami before he failed that physical, maybe we'd be talking about him as a great NFL coach, but a guy who is more built for college in the sense that he likes to have complete control over his program from top to bottom. See, I look at his parallel. It's interesting you say Nick Saban. I look to one of Nick Saban's former former head assistants in Lane Kiffin. I think I, they're about the same I, kind I of guy. I definitely agree with you when it comes to winning and more coaching-wise. I was just saying Nick Saban because he likes to have his finger on the pulse of every little detail in the program. Yep. But uh, moving on to the next game, and this one I was actually really excited about. I watched a lot of this game. Um, Arizona State taking down Michigan State. Um, I guess Herm Edwards isn't just taking this as a, as a last you know thing, trying to be a head coach there. He looks like he's really rebuilding this program. Their quarterback looked good, and I don't know the running back's name, but number three on Arizona State is electric. He can really run. They get good recruits. They're always a team that has played well in the in the Pac-12, and I'm looking to see if this kind of elevates them to that second team. Uh, or maybe third. I mean, Stanford's in there as well. I go probably Washington, Stanford, and Arizona State. Those could all flip flop by the end of the year, though. I yeah, mean, Stanford's looked really, really good this year, and they have a lot better. They dismantled of an offense. USC. Yeah, they have a much better offense, and Stanford. I mean, from what I can remember, has been more of a defensive team, kind of manage the game aside from their time with Andrew Luck, and they seem like a little bit better of an offensive team. Yeah, this Bryce year. Love is a great running back. He's building on what's already been a really good college career for him. He had a monster game against the Trojans last week but no going back to that game that you highlighted um you know Michigan State went in there as number 15 in the country we always know they're somewhere in that in that big 10 picture you know they 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 win games um they're they're well coached their defense is always stout they seem to get better as the year goes on I didn't think Arizona State would win but I thought Arizona State would make that game pretty tough they're gonna now slide in into the top 25 for sure. Um, I like that game a lot. I mean, they were 23, so they're, they're going to move f- much further up. Uh, I, w- I could see them in, you know, probably in that middle of the teens after that win. Let's see what Michigan State does from now on and if Arizona State can use this kind of as that jumping off point to push them into the Pac-12 picture. Yeah, Michigan State, not a good start to their season. I mean, the first week of the season they almost got upset, and then the second week they do get upset by... Arizona uh, State, but moving on, uh, Georgia just absolutely kills South Carolina. South Carolina is one of those teams in the SEC to me where it's like 
they get one or two top recruits, uh, whereas the rest of the SEC teams are getting 10 or 11 top recruits from that hotbed of football down there. Um, you know, they'll have an Alshon Jeffrey or, or even a Jadavion Clowney, but then it's like the other team has five of those guys. And unless South Carolina gets a better recruiter in there, I don't think that that program's really going to come back to prominence anytime soon. They're just a middle-of-the-road team. They're a middle-of-the-road team, and that SEC East continues to show how bad it is. I mean, Georgia is going to roll that roll that division, and they can basically sleepwalk to the SEC title game. Another game that stood out to me in the SEC East to just show how bad it was was Florida lost to Kentucky yeah. in the swamp in Gainesville. That's for the first time since like 1987. 32 years to be exact. Yeah, horrible. So obviously that shows that that program is really down in the dumps. You know, that's in the same league as you got Vanderbilt. You've got... Uh, you've got obviously uh, South Carolina, you've got Kentucky, you've got Florida. None of those teams are very good. So Georgia can just enjoy every game that they get and then try as uh, you know, they're going to have some games against the SEC West coming up down the road. That's going to be where they get battle tested. In yeah, conference. they're talented enough though to keep to definitely keep up with those teams. Um, and then the final game that you want to talk about, I think you mentioned it already, is um, Stanford just beating the hell out of USC. Yeah, and they're trying. It's funny they're trying to uh, hype up this USC Texas game this weekend, and I can't tell you I didn't even put it on our notes because I could not be less interested in two teams that obviously are you can't write the story of college football without those two teams but I mean what do they have at stake Texas is down at the bottom of the Big 12 as they go you know with uh with their new head coach again and Tom Herman um and then obviously you're looking at a USC team that lost Darnold and they're trying to build their way back up but they're going to rebuild this year. They're not They're not ready. They're starting a true freshman who doesn't seem like he's ready. They could not do anything against that Stanford defense. Yeah, no, both teams look to be at the bottom of their divisions. And, you know, it, it'll be a historically fun game just because, you know, those two teams have a lot of players that went on to have great careers in the NFL. And there's a lot of history between the two teams, you know, the Reggie Bush um, Matt Liner, Vince Young game, all that stuff. But that's not today. That's not 2018. It's not going to be a very fun game to watch. And I would be shocked if I watch a minute of it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I'll stay away from that one because there's some other very notable games. And let's get into those now. We previewed the Oklahoma and Iowa State game. I only put that game on there just because of possible upset alert. Um, to me, Oklahoma hasn't played anybody yet. So I want to see Kyler Murray go into a hostile environment. Iowa State's always one of those teams, as I've said, it seems like the two Iowa teams love to play spoilers at home. Iowa does the same in the Big Ten to some of their top opponents, particularly in night games in Iowa City. Uh, over in a town over in Ames, you know, in the Big 12, it seems like Iowa State likes to do the same to other big programs. We mentioned TCU last year. So we'll see if Oklahoma can go into a tough environment. Kyler Murray, take care of business if he plays anything like he has been. Uh, they should win that game pretty easily. Yeah, I think that Murray's going to have a really good game, and people are going to be starting the Heisman chatter really early for him. Um, but moving on to the next game, you got an SEC matchup here of uh, Alabama and Old Miss. Um Old Miss had, you know, a run a few years ago, but they just haven't been anything really lately. I think Alabama's going to roll this one. I don't know about you. The most, I guess the biggest story that I would think coming out of this is the quarterback. 
I don't want to call it controversy or whatever, but Saban just keeps going with the two guys. Yeah, he does. I mean, uh, Tagovailoa got the majority of the reps through three first quarter. I don't say his name because I'll never get it right. But (laughs) I'll let you take that. I've had to say it enough. Uh, Yeah, he threw three first uh, first uh, quarter uh, touchdowns against Arkansas State. You know, in their cupcake game. The only reason I put that game on there is you always like to see what a young quarterback. I know he's not a freshman this year, but he's going to go down to Ole Miss. In Oxford, Mississippi, that's always a pretty raucous crowd down there. I don't think the game's going to be close, but I put that on there really because I want to see what they do with their quarterbacks. I want to see if Tagovailoa gets off to the right start. I think everybody does. Yeah. yeah, if he gets off to the right start, I think they just continue to build the momentum with him. But if he gets a little reckless and careless, I mean, Saban, you want to talk about paying attention to detail, he'll yank even even if he throws a touchdown that he knows was a bad pass. So... Um, we'll see what happens down there. I do expect Alabama to win very easily, but in the SEC, the real game that more I want to see a little bit is more interesting. only a lot is LSU Auburn. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this. I think LSU at Auburn, I think LSU is going to show a little bit more of their true colors in this game. And I think Auburn just out talents them. And, you know, I think this is probably a 10-point win for Auburn. I, I You know, I'm not handicapping or anything here, but I think Auburn's definitely going to take advantage of this game. The game is in Auburn, so I like that. They have a little bit of revenge to take care of because last year LSU actually beat them in week three in at LSU. You know they're going to use that too. For sure. And, and this is going to be a fun game because, you know, Auburn took care of business against Washington in that neutral site game week one. I think Steedham's a great quarterback, f- built perfectly for that Gus Malzahn offense. Um, he's only gotten better. I mean, they seem to run those kind of dual threat quarterbacks. You know, he's bigger and has a better arm than a lot of the other ones that they've had. You know, Cam Newton obviously was not a Gus Malzahn quarterback, but um, even when they when they uh, beat Auburn and, and and gone to the title game that year, they lost to Florida State. Um, I want to see what LSU, are they legit? You know, they really dominated Miami. We talked about that game. Was that great LSU or was that just really bad Notre Dame or uh, Miami? I don't know if you have an opinion on on what are you looking for? You're going to see if that offense can actually do something against another top tier yes, SEC that's defense. That's the main thing. You know, the you know LSU is always pretty good on on the defensive side of the football. But I kind of want to see. I mean, maybe Miami's bad. Maybe I I was really wrong on them. But I just want to see how that offense is going to perform against SEC talent and a really really good defense. You know, some some actual competition and. Yeah, that's all I really want to see is how that offense is going to work and especially, you know, LSU, how the quarterback is going to play. Yep, and that's a tough environment down there in Auburn. They're going to be ready to go because they that SEC West, I mean, it is a dogfight, especially if A&M can prove that they're throwing their hat into the field now. You know, Mississippi State's always competitive. Obviously, you've got the, the top two there of Bama and Auburn. Um, if LSU can can really put up a good fight, I'll be looking forward to seeing that for sure. Um, we mentioned Ohio State, TCU, um, Boise State at Oklahoma State. Their first real test against another you know Power Five conference team. Oklahoma State can score, man. They always can. Gundy's always got them running out there. Always, you know, he was a former Oklahoma State quarterback himself, so. That offense there, it's it's always good. Going back to the uh, Des Bryant and those days, you know. So I, I, I'd like to see the Boise State defense try and hold up against that. 
I think Oklahoma State's going to take this game, to be honest with you. I do, too. I'm really interested to just see how they play because, to me, the Big 12 is pretty wide open until, you know, I, I, I think Oklahoma's, you know, the cream of the crop, but they haven't been battle-tested yet. Oklahoma State can score. They're at home. Can Boise State's defense, as you alluded to, you know, kind of keep the pressure on or at least keep them in the game? Oklahoma State's got a new quarterback this year. We got to remember Mason Rudolph's gone. So, how does their offense look against, for the first time this year, a pretty valid defense? You know, nobody's going to say that Boise State's a top 10 defense, but they're always pretty stout. That's how they stay competitive. Um, the last game, if you want to look at the Pac-12, I have Washington at Utah. Washington, yeah. I want to see rebound from that loss at Auburn. And they didn't Utah play is not, a t- not an easy place to play at home. So, I mean, this will be a really interesting game. I think Washington's going to easily handle this one. It's going to be more interesting going on down the season when Washington plays some real competition, just like they did earlier and they lost. Um, Do you think Washington's still the top team in the Pac-12, like head and shoulders above, or are you interested to no, see no, no. what I Arizona think, State does? I think there's much more of a battle between the three teams in the in the uh, Pac-12. I, I never really was high on Washington this year. I mean, I'm not a professional. I barely, you know, I don't really keep up with college football, but I think Washington's one of those teams that plays well against Pac-12 teams, but then when they go to play a team that's going to, you know, it's going to be a dogfight, I think they, they tend to fold. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. I mean, I I think that their time is now. They need to separate themselves. They own the the Pac-12. And don't sell yourself short, man. You're talking college football just fine. Um, They do beat the Pac-12 pretty easily. Even last year when, you know, you had Rosen and Darnold playing for USC and UCLA respectively. They, but they got bulldozed by Penn State. The game wasn't even close. Barkley ran nuts on them. And the year before, they got destroyed by Alabama. So they've had two opportunities to play really good out-of-conference teams in the postseason, and they haven't done it. And obviously not off to a great start this year, losing to Auburn, who just physically dominated them. So that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we recapped. We'll be back next week to discuss um, how those games turned out and, of course, look forward to some Week 4 matchups. Yeah, and now that we're three weeks in, we can go with a little bit more of a Heisman Watch approach, too, and talk about some of the notable players that we see yep. um, happening. You know, I alluded to Kyle uh, Murray in, at Oklahoma and, and a few others we'll talk about next week uh, when we have, you know, three games under our belts that we can really digest and, yeah, and, and remem- talk about. Exactly, and remember in October, that's when they start doing the rankings that uh, that really start to matter, so... As the season progresses, you know, there's going to be a lot more conference games. There's not going to be as many of these teams getting their layup games. And they'll take us up through Thanksgiving and eventually um, project into the college football playoff, which is always a fun debate since that's taken over the BCS system, which was just god-awful. So let's go into some Major League Baseball as we use that as our next talking point. Tom, why don't you lead us off, off with the Yankees as per usual? Um Decent weekend against Seattle, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, that loss yesterday was a really tough game to watch. All around for for New York sports fans, it was kind of tough, especially for you with the Giants getting beat too. Yeah, I got to talk about that tomorrow. I got to see my Giants lose, the Yankees lose, and as the cherry on top, I'm out of the survivor pool thanks to the New Orleans Saints. All right, well, let's (laughs) we'll talk about that tomorrow. But so it was it was a good weekend because the Yankees didn't fall further behind, but Oakland continues to roll, and they just lost yet another game in the standings. And you've been saying this for weeks now. You do not want to play this wild card game in Oakland because the Yankees are 
they're in the wild card game. I don't care how many games Houston takes from the Red Sox in Fenway. We'll you know we'll talk about that if we do a playoff preview. Uh, you know, looking on further for an ALCS. You know, the Yankees are going to be playing in this wild card game, and you really need it to be in the Bronx. Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, and and it's not looking like a sure thing. And, and I will admit, even up until last week, I was like, ah, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's not a sure thing. And a game like that last yesterday was just brutal. Two for 14 with runners in scoring position. Just cannot get a big hit. Terrible, uh, you know, um, production from the bottom of the order. Gardner has just sunk. Um, Hechevarria comes up with the bases loaded, no outs, and th- swings at three straight strike, three straight balls totally out of the zone to strike himself out. Terrible production, terrible at bats, not good situational hitting at all. Um, yeah, and you know you you'd like to feel good about taking two of three. I mean, there were some good things to be taken from that series. Tanaka was brilliant Friday night, going eight shutout innings. Um, Lance Lynn rebounded to pitch a good game of two, six innings, two run ball. Even CC yesterday had a rocky first, still found a way to go into the six, giving up only two runs. I mean, there were some encouraging things, but Oakland just rolls and they're playing nobody. They just beat up on Texas and now they're going to be going to Camden Yards for three. You can basically book that as a sweep. And then, then they get a little bit of a test having to go down to Tropicana where, the Rays are playing is actually one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, no, the the Rays are definitely really hot, and we said this last time. They go out and have a you know basically a fire sale and trade anybody with any value aside from maybe two players, and they're playing like with their hair on fire. And if they were in any other division, they'd be right in there in the in the race. But you know, hopefully that'll that'll play to the Yankees' advantage. You know, playing Oakland, um, the Yankees series right now they have they are playing Minnesota at Minnesota, and to be honest, I think this needs to be a sweep. Tonight you have hat pitching. You really got to feel good about that. Tomorrow uh, you got Sonny Gray pitching, <laughs> so you don't feel good about that. But still, this this Minnesota and Sevy team, finishing up the series. Yes, yeah, Sevy finishing up the series. I was gonna say that, but you know, you know that you basically got to book it. I'd like to see seven innings and no run ball from Severino. Hopefully, he turns around. I really haven't been high on him, as everybody knows. Recently, they are giving him that extra day, so you know they're trying to give him as much rest as they can Listen, without putting him on at this of, point of, on the shelf. At this point, you can't do anything more than that. You know, I mean, you can't you can't sit the guy down. It's September now, so you can't set him down for an injury or any of that good stuff. He basically just has to figure it out, and this is a good team to figure it out against. Even for Sonny Gray, I mean, this team has underachieved all season. Miguel Sano was in single double A playing for half the year. He's had a terrible year. Uh, Byron Buxton's been hurt all season. They're starting pitching. The Yankees took one of their starting pitchers, and the rest of them have not been good. Even Jose Barrios has had a really bad second half. You know, I, I really don't even know who else is on this team. Kyle to be Gibson's honest with you. had a nice year. Oda Rizzi's a pro, today. but the Yankees like to hit him. Yeah, so I mean, for me personally, and I think you're going to agree with me on this one. You really want to see a sweep, especially with the Oakland um, Athletics going down to Baltimore. I think you have to see a sweep. Yeah, I mean, this is an inferior team, and I couldn't agree with you more. You know, as bad as I think Sonny Gray is, of course. You know, he he actually pitched a great game in Baltimore. Uh, as the second game of that doubleheader, and out out of the pen, you know he's pitched in such low leverage situations that nobody really he's has pitched into a below he, two ERA. He looks good. He has looked good, and and maybe, maybe he's he got his swagger back. He just needs to give a representative start. You know they're trying to give their guys as many days. I was forecasting ahead. You know by getting the Thursday off day as well. 
you know, you're you're giving a lot of these guys seven days rest. So, you know, to start the Toronto series on Friday, you're going to be able to throw Tanaka, Lynn, and Sabathia in that series. And then you can line up your big dogs going Hap, Severino, Tanaka in the Red Sox series, which shouldn't mean anything, but at home you got to win that series. Absolutely. It's definitely going to mean something if the Oakland Athletics keep rolling like this. It's not going to mean anything for the division, of True. course, which is yes. I know what you meant. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the Yankees, definitely I'd like to see out of these next six games with non-playoff teams being the Toronto Blue Jays and the Minnesota Twins, five of six. Yeah, that's You really got to see five of six. And if they're going to lose a game, fine. Lose a Sunny Gray game tomorrow, but you got to take the rest of them. Um, going back to reviewing this team, I mean, Gary Sanchez comes back off the DL. Hasn't hit a whole lot. I, you said it earlier this season. It's it's a lost year for him. It's a lost year for Brett Gardner. You're happy to see DD come back. Henchevaria has been you know, a really good pickup for them defensively. Stanton has slowed down a little bit, but he's still one of the best hitters on the team, one of the best hitters in the league. And Aaron Judge is uh, hitting bombs in batting practice, which is – that's that's a sight for sore eyes right there. Oh my God, thank God. And and I know he's still reporting pain, but you know his presence in the lineup alone is going to just do so much. I'll take good. Aaron Judge at fifty percent. I don't really care. I mean, McCutcheon has started to hit. He had two home runs in that Seattle Mariners series. Um, you know, the guy's really good defensively, but he's not Aaron Judge. He's not, but he, I think he becomes the prime left fielder now. I think Gardner, Gardner, you still like in a big moment because nothing he'll scares him. He'll work a walk. He, yeah. he'll, he'll have a 15-pitch at bat, just like he did in that Cleveland series where he hit the game-winning RBI last year. You know, but I, I you know, I you need Judge back. Yes. I don't know how, to, how else to put it. You need Judge back, and you need him to be relatively healthy. And if that means that you need to take longer and, and piecemeal this lineup together for him to be 100% healthy, I'm fine if he comes back even a week before the playoffs. Oh, 100%, and I think that's what's going to happen. I saw some tentative um, projections that have him coming back for that Baltimore series, not this weekend, but the last weekend, the last homestand weekend. Um, before they go to Tampa and Boston to finish up the season. Just get him a couple games under his belt to see if he's okay. Um, you know, you hold your breath. This team isn't going to win without him. I mean, he's such a situational player too. Forget just his power and his and his prolific average, not just his power, but, you know, the – He's really he he gets big hits with runners in scoring position. He cuts down on his swing. Defensively, Goldglover as well. Yep, huge uh, advantage with him in right field. And yeah, I mean McCutcheon's been fine, but we knew. I mean he's really an upgrade over Shane Robinson, but he's not Aaron Judge. So you like to see some of the pop from him. He did play well in those games in Seattle. You hope he can you continue to run him out there. There's a lot of doubt, not just about this team going forward this year. There's a lot of doubt about the what the makeup of this team is going to look like. Are you going to trust Gary Sanchez as your catcher going forward? Do you trust Greg Bird as your first baseman going forward? Do you shake up, make one of those big uh, signings in the offseason of a Harper Machado? You know, these are conversations for way down the line, but you know they're starting to kind of manifest now because it, the things that you're going to look for are you know you basically are getting two nothing seasons from two guys that you expected to be middle of the order impact bats in Sanchez and Bird and I know injuries have sidelined them both um, you know to various degrees but 
when they've been on the field, they haven't done anything. And I'm still not going to say that Austin Romine's a better option offensively because he's not. He hit that big home run. You know, Sanchez is capable of just carrying a team. We've seen him do it. Romine, we've never seen carry a team. No, and there's but, no chance he will, but I just don't know. You know, you keep waiting on that that month or that week where Sanchez puts the team on his back and just carries them. And you, at this point, it's just I think it's not going to happen this year. It's not. And, you know, to look up on the bright side because you're getting a little depressed talking about you know the future of the Yankees there's still a lot of bright spots Giancarlo Stanton Severino I think is going to return to ace top form by next season uh you know you got Andahar as well as Glaber Torres who are and Didi of course yeah Didi and Glaber Torres and Andahar probably one and two in the rookie of the year followed by Otani so of course Judge as well. So I'm and this team has Hicks a, has had a quietly great year. Yes, Hicks has had a really good year. Twenty four home runs, by far his best season. And his on base percentage is up there in the fours. I mean he's on base all the time. Yeah, I think he's hitting around two forty five, which you know for his on base percentage, defense, and the power number he's showing. Average I'll doesn't matter it. that much anymore. No, man, it's in a strikeout home run game and I walks. Mean, yeah, absolutely. So. I think the Yankees will be fine. I think they're going to make a big-time splash next season. They got the money. you know. They stayed under the luxury tax. So, And that's not a bad thing to me because I moved on from Greg Bird. I'm over him. I'm yeah. over it. <laughs> I'm over it, and I don't think Luke Voigt is your answer. Maybe moving Sanchez over to first base will you know, keep him from getting injured, and he'll have a first baseman-esque top season, not a catcher-esque top season. And if you can get a good full year out of Sanchez, he's shown what he can do at first base. Possibly could happen. Um, and then maybe you get a Machado or, or something. I, I don't really know how that would work out, but yeah, the that's other, for Cashman to figure out. Exactly. And the other, you know, before we go on to the rest of the playoff picture, because it's, it's continuing to get more and more exciting, is another guy that I'm not sure you can count on going forward is Clint Frazier. And to no fault of his own, you know, they shut him down as he was playing, as they were ready to move him up to double A rehab games. Uh, more concussion syndrome syndrome. Tough they, to see, man. And they put him this... down. They they put him back down uh, on the single A roster, and then eventually just decided that they weren't going to play him. They shut him down for the season. Tough to see, man, because I think he's a guy that a lot of Yankee fans were excited to see next year as the everyday left fielder, yep. or at least most of it. And I don't think that they can, you know, anything you get from him going forward now is a plus, but I don't, I think you look at him and Ellsbury kind of in that same mold, obviously different points in their careers, but you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, Ellsbury's Absolutely. checkered injury history. And now with the concussions, I mean, that can end Jason Bay, you know, that can end a career. Jason Bay, we've brought him up Justin before Morneau. and Justin Morneau, you know, it's tough to see because, that, that'll really affect a guy. It's not just in football. I mean, Justin Morneau was an MVP-type player, as well as Jason Bay, both in Boston and Pittsburgh. And you you saw their careers just straight up run off the rails because of that. So, I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen, and it's really tough to see just because the guy was just such a huge prospect. I mean... You do still have Justice Sheffield out of that Andrew Miller deal, which is you know a huge thing. He was the centerpiece of the deal, but it, it's just tough to see for for Clint Frazier, period, and especially for the Yankees as well. Yeah, no doubt, man. So obviously, you know, going forward, uh, the reason I brought that up though is, you know, this next couple weeks and whatever, however long their postseason season lasts. Um, it's going to tell a lot, I think, for the future of Greg Bird. Gary Sanchez, and maybe even Miguel Andujar. And I don't think that they would move on from him, but where does he fit into the plans? Because defensively, 
he's young. You know, he shows the skills. He's got a great arm, makes all makes plays, but also he's erratic. So, you know, do you look at him and say if we can upgrade him, but we just he's just too offensively gifted that we got to keep him, find a spot for him. But you go to Machado. I think those three guys going forward, it's huge. I think we you both can see are, Andujar moving to left field or something next yeah, year as I well. I think we're both. Yeah, actually, that's a that's not a bad idea. You know, I think we're all and most Yankee fans are in in agreement that this is Gardner's last couple weeks as a Yankee. Um, You mentioned the three players, and from the three of them, I think Greg Bird's career as a Yankee is is very much in jeopardy. I think it's over, quite quite honestly. I think they trade him in the offseason. Sanchez has a little bit more of a body of work um, in the past few years. I know it is only a few years, but it's definitely a much bigger body of work than Greg Bird. Agreed. I think that they're going to give him every chance they possibly can before they get rid of him because they're not going to get what they want for him at this point. And Andahar, I think... Unless you're blown away with a deal, maybe the Mets change their mind on Jacob Degrom and uh, in the off season and they trade him or something along those lines. I think he's going to be. I don't know what position, but he will be playing for the Yankees next season. I do too. And um, you know, you mentioned Bird, and that kind of goes to Luke Voigt. I think Luke Voigt is their next Tyler Austin. I think he's a guy that he he's going to provide that right-handed power, and for stretches, he looks very consistent. I think he's a I think he's a starter on an average team. I think he's a great bench piece and, you know, platoon guy if you go out and get another left-handed bat to play first. I think they're straying away from those left-handed bats. I, you know, we mentioned it last week. I think Harper is everything that you could possibly want in a guy, but the issue with Harper is he's going to strike out a ton and he's also going to be a very low average guy but he's going to hit a lot of bombs. I think the Yankees like those right-handed hitters who are hitting, you know, even Stanton. The guy has plummeted within the last couple of weeks. He's hitting, you know, just over 100 in the last two weeks, but he was hitting 286 before. And, you know, he's going to finish the season in the 270s. You're going to have both him and Judge in full seasons, you know, when they finally play a full season together, both hitting in the 40s and both hitting at least 270. That's prolific. And as good as Harper is, He's a 230 hitter, and, and that's the thing with you know Andujar and Torres is they hit the ball the opposite way, but they're both in the 280s hitters. Yeah, and with Harper, I mean, over the past two seasons, he has been in the 230s, 240s. I think he's too good of a hitter. I think in this offseason, he'll probably make some adjustments. Maybe you see his home runs go down from 45 when he's healthy to you know, 40, 38, but I think he's going to get his average back up on whatever team he's playing around 270, 275. And that on base percentage is always there, but yeah, I wonder if he's more of like, I I have, I see a lot of, obviously he's much better, but a lot of kind of like a Brian McCann and what kind of like when Teixeira at once they started putting the shift on, you know, Teixeira became from the left side, especially he, his average, he was always Home a good, all, nothing. he was an all around hitter until that shift, until happened. That shift yep. happened. And I think I, Harper's uh, going to figure out how to hit around that. He is a good opposite field hitter when he wants to do it. I just don't know if the Yankees are going to be willing to pay somebody like I that. I think they like a guy like Machado yeah, who would hit the Machado's, ball all fields and can play third. Machado's having, Machado's having a, a very not good, very bad second half. I couldn't even think of the words to use there. <laughs> Again on the uh, on the Dodgers, but you know that could be play right into the Yankees' advantage because you know they the offers might not be as prevalent for him. I still think they'll be incredibly high, but I could definitely see the Yankees going after a guy um, in Machado much before a guy in Bryce Harper. Yeah, Bryce Harper might be a consolation prize for the Yankees, which is amazing. I I, I think 
you know, the way that baseball is going and the Yankees are as analytically driven as any team, they see a lot of value in those high power, but also high average right-handed hitters. And don't worry about the short porch because all those guys can find it. So that's, I, I think that's the trend that they're looking high at. High power, high batting average. Is that a good combo? I don't know. What do you uh, think? <laughs> I would take it. Sign me up for that. But anyway, so going off on that little tangent, we will have all off season to go. But you know, a lot of it's going to be decided in the next, however long the Yankee season lasts. Um, where do you want to go One into game. next, man? One game playoff. Whew, so scary. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll go. We'll go ahead around the league. So um, you all know, good divisions. Yeah, absolutely. So Houston is leading Oakland by two point five games. I think that's really, really interesting. I think Houston ends up coming away with this division, but you know they had a and, and they're rounding into form. They had a really, really good series in Boston. They did. Yeah, they took two or three easily. Could have won the I third. I think Ozuna is going to make a huge difference for them as their closer. A lot better than. McHugh, whoever they had before that, I forgot his name. The guy that punched himself in the face a couple times. Um, Ken Giles. Yeah, that's it. Whatever. He's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that they're definitely going to have, uh, you know, I think they're going to have that division, a stranglehold on it, which leads to the Oakland Athletics, who we've talked about enough already. Really scared if that, if that one-game playoff ends up in Oakland. I think the Yankees end up losing it. Um, moving on after that, we can go over to – the Atlanta Braves are up four games on the Phillies. And, you know, we said this last week, the, the Nationals, somehow they're still barely in it. Obviously, they're not going to win anything, but kind of unbelievable that they traded everyone off and then those other two teams just decided to stop hitting. Really, really bad, you know, future predicting from the Nationals, and that's just a terribly run organization. So, you know, that's why we say Bryce Harper's not going to be on that team anymore. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you you were the one that... that um you know, alerted me that they are going to retain Dave Martinez. I can't believe that. Uh, to me, that's really bad. And it's, it, I, I think you have to show trust in the decisions that you make and the managerial moves that you make. You know, they got rid of Dusty because he can't win the big one. Um, you know, they've had a bunch of managers in the last few years going with, you know, they Davey Johnson, Davey Johnson, and then Matt Williams and, and Dusty Baker and and but at least he could get you there. I mean, this is the most disappointing team in this season and quite frankly in a long time. I mean, this is a team that's built to be great and I know that we've seen Atlanta and Philadelphia blossom a little bit earlier, Atlanta more so than we thought. Um but Washington is just built to win and and to be that bad this year, I mean, I think that's managing, don't you? I mean, what if the Yankees went in this year and they weren't even a playoff team? Yeah, I think even or even, Boston, even Cashman, who usually likes to give himself a pat on the back and and hold on to guys and prove how smart he is for a couple of years, I think he would have even had to fire Aaron Boone and Cora as well in Boston. So I, I scratch my head a little bit at the Dave Martinez being retained, but you know they're going to roll it back out next year and they're going to have all that talent in the world, and I wouldn't be surprised. I can't believe I'm saying this with their track with their track record, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals are one of the best teams in the NL next year. Yeah, I, I I'm really interested to see what they do with Harper. I do think that relationship's a little bit fractured. You know, they had him a little bit dangling out there uh, during the July trade deadline, and then they apparently put him on waivers and was claimed by the Dodgers in, in the August they deadline. Just they just pulled him back. Um, but I think at least even showing that they'd be willing to move him. 
I think is it speaks volumes and also speaks to the fact that you know they're going to move on. They don't want to pay that kind of money. They've done nothing but pay for big contracts going forward. They got Robles coming up. They've got Soto established. So we'll see from there. Yeah, I think the future of the NL East is still open, but props to the Atlanta Braves, man. Yeah, I mean, they they remind me a lot of the Yankees last year, you know, peaking peaking a year early. That's a really good team. I don't think they're going to make a playoff run quite quite yet, but that is a really good young talented team and they it reminds me of the late 90s, you know, mid 90s when they owned the 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 uh, NL East and I think we're going to be looking at that for a long time to come. Although Philly's going to be around Philly's as well. Philly's going to be good and I, and I think they're going to make a big move. I think they make season. several. They they've they've really gone under the luxury tax and and tanked for not tanked, but you know, they've they've rebuilt the last few years to put themselves in position for this free agency. So, yeah, we will see for sure, but I am I am still shocked by that division. I look at Atlanta up four and a half. I'm just like, this is 2018. Like, yeah, I, I can't believe it. It's pretty incredible. So moving on to the NL Central, we're going to talk about a few divisions that are close here. The ones that are wrapped up don't really, like Cleveland, don't really need to be spoken of. Even the Yale East. Yes, you, we already did, but you don't really have to talk about that. So the Cubs are up two games on Milwaukee. Both teams are playing pretty well right now. The Cubs have... You know, not been as hot as uh, as recently, but I believe they play each other. Big three game set this week in Huge. Wrigley. Absolutely, and the and the Brewers have been playing really well lately. They've got some patchwork going on on that pitching staff, but Davies is pitching well as well as a few others. You and- like the Gio Gonzalez pickup. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of the Gio Gonzalez pickup. Basically having a live arm in that pitching rotation is, is a plus for them, period. <laughs> so point. I think that this is a really interesting series. You know, Jonathan Scope last night put him ahead, and he's been hurt, and he's hitting like under 250 with four home runs on the season or whatever. But that guy, when he played for Baltimore, he can be – you know, he's a difference best, maker. Yeah, he's a, one of the best second basemen in baseball when it comes to the offensive side. He was an all-star last year. Absolutely, I think. Yeah. yeah, he was. And I think that him, Yelich, Kane, that team's got a lot of offense on it. And if they can figure out that pitching staff and figure out how to piece something together, that's gonna be that's gonna be a really interesting series. And they're definitely gonna take one of those wild cards. Oh, I think so sure. too. The, one of the wild cards will come out of the NL Central for sure. Maybe two. Yeah, because St. Louis is right there. St. Louis is pitching. You know, their pitching's doing really well. Carpenter still still rolling out there. Might be the NL MVP. Um, and they just look really good. I think they got Wainwright going today. Maybe he can eat up a couple innings. He's not the Wainwright of old. A lot of elbow surgeries, but you know, the younger guys like Milakis and a couple of these other pitchers, they have a good staff and they have a really good bullpen, especially sliding Carl. Carlos Martinez into that bullpen. Yeah, I th- agree. I think that you know they could be a contender going down to the last week of the season. Yep. I'm still a bigger fan of the next division we're going to talk about, which is the NL West. I just can't give up on the D-backs or the Dodgers. I think that the the Colorado Rockies are a shoe in for the playoffs with Trevor Story playing like an MVP. Arenado slowed down for about ten games. They gave him a day off, and he hit a big time home run. I think that the Rockies are going to take this division. They have a big series against the Dodgers coming up as well. Yeah, they just took two of three from them in Colorado. Uh, remember, Kenley Jansen didn't make that trip because of his irregular heartbeat. You know, doctors told him to stay back, not not tested in that elevation. So the Rockies got a little bit of a break there, but still took care of business. Um, I did want to circle back real quick to the Cardinals. Um, only thing that I want to mention is, you know, we talked about how poorly run the Nationals are. Look how wonderfully run the, the, they just the gave Cardinals their are their manager an extension. The Cardinals are there every 
single year. And it seems like only a couple of times have they had just a great team that was built to win. Uh, even that 2011 team came out of nowhere that that ended up beating Texas. I don't know if they could do that, you know. I, I, but they're one of those organizations that they just seem to make the right moves, push the right buttons, and at the end of every season, they're right there. If they don't make the playoffs, they just missed. They sneak their way in. They're never a bad team. They're never a bad team, and that starts with the top, which is why the Nationals have struggled, in my opinion. But going back to your case uh, for the National League West. I agree with everything you said. I think you made a really good point. The Rockies are there, but you can't give up on the Dodgers or the or the Diamondbacks. Both those teams are so talented. They both, you know, they that division and we spoke to it in our preseason predictions and all the way as we've talked throughout the course of the season, that division cannibalizes each other. I mean, all three of those teams are just really really tough. They each have a little bit of an advantage over one, the other one. Um, the home, the power that Colorado exhibits, particularly in Coors Field, is undeniable. Uh, their bullpen wasn't as good this year as I thought it would be, but they're still tough. The Dodgers have all the star power, yet that star power hasn't necessarily come through. You mentioned Machado really has struggled. Luke Voigt now has more RBIs as a Yankee than Machado has as a Dodger. Yeah, you had mentioned that last well, week. Well, pa- he passed him this weekend, That's which insane. is insane. So. But he's still capable of just doing complete damage. Kemp, of course, has had a great year in his comeback, uh, big comeback season. They have plenty of talent, man. They should be there. They made every move they could have possibly made, both for the July deadline and the August deadline, to to put themselves in the postseason. That's going to come down to the last weekend. Diamondbacks, I'm not sure about you. If I had to take... My chance between those three teams, I would say Colorado and L.A. are in. I think Arizona I'm in just misses you. out. I think I said Diamondbacks last week, but after watching them this past week, I just I don't think they have the the full team to, to, to beat up with those other two guys and to compete with them. So, yeah, I think the Cardinals are probably going to get that one of those wild card spots. Um, you maybe. Think, uh, you, think they're, you think it's going to be both from the NL Central? I don't know, man. It's going to be a close I got to think one, one of those NL West teams will go. But it's, Just by going back to you saying they're going to beat up on each other in these last couple weeks, it's it's really interesting to see. I think Milwaukee's a shoe-in for the first wild card. Me too. And I like the Cardinals ahead of the Dodgers, but, you know, but I've, think been, both those, I've been wrong a few times in my life. So <laughs> we'll, you never think, know. But you know, we talk about the NL West beating up on each other. How about that NL Central? I mean, you got the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers all playing each other for meaningful games. Yep, so, you're right about that. So that, you know, both those divisions are kind of in the same po- position where all three teams are fighting and playing each other. And, you know, that I, I'm, I love how wide open this National League is because – to anybody that doesn't love the second wild card, and you know we're both Yankee fans, but we're objective fans. That one game wild card and setting up that second wild card team has just made this sport so much better. Oh, yes. Look how active the the August thirty first deadline a regular was. Season, it never used I to mean, be that way. The game alone is so much fun. That that's a very fun couple of days to watch those games, and then it makes the team so much more competitive because these teams that a couple of years ago would have packed it in and sold everything off and just made the contenders a lot better at teams. They think they're still in it. And some of them end up being buyers at the end of the, at the end of the trade deadline. Right. It's crazy. I mean, look at Pittsburgh. I mean, they bought in to get Archer because they thought that they were making a big push, which they were. And then they made a couple trades to sell guys off. Last year we saw Minnesota, 
I mean, by July, they traded Jaime Garcia to the Yankees. They traded their closer, Brandon Kinsler, to Washington. It looked like they were packing it in. And then all of a sudden, by August, they wanted to make a couple moves to reassure themselves of a postseason berth. And, you know, whatever happens in both the National League and the American League, baseball is such a war of attrition. Usually the best team wins, but it's the most battle-tested. You have to run through so many good teams. It's not like the NBA where you can beat up on the inferior teams. Even in the NFL, you know, when we did our projections, think of how many horrible teams. And you do have your divisions like the AL East where you've got the Blue Jays and the Orioles on his on terrible seasons. But look at the Rays. I mean, they're they're out of it, but they play so hard. And you've got you've got the A's and the and the Astros in the AL West. And then the Mariners just fell the out. The Mariners too. just they were fell out. Great, and then they won they a were real there slide. all year. Yep. And then look at those. I mean, up until most recently, you had the Phillies and and Braves right there, and then you've got the two other National League divisions with three teams, all viable postseason teams. It's crazy. The parity in baseball is great. It's great for the sport. Whoever comes out of that American League wildcard game, whoever comes out of that National League wildcard game will have deserved it because the competition's fierce. And they're going to put up a good fight against the Red Sox. And they're going to put up a good fight against either the Red Sox or the Cubs or or whoever ends up being that first team out there in the National League. Uh, That's another race. You know, we mentioned the playoff picture. Who's going to get that overall first seed in the National League? That's wide open as well. The Red Sox got the seed pretty much locked up yeah unless they go into a little bit of a tailspin and and, and houston continues to go nuts i I, it looks like boston's got it cleveland you know they're going to play a lot of bad teams going forward but even you know i I looked at the white Sox; they've really played well over the last you know couple weeks and yeah the tigers too are a feisty team that's not that's a team that's you know not very good but looking forward i think the white Sox are going to be one of the better teams they just lost kopech um, yeah to tommy john season to tommy john which is tough but what do you think about Otani? I, I, we don't have this on our notes, but I think it's important to discuss as our last big talking I think point we tonight. I mentioned that either a week ago or two weeks ago, how he was supposed to, it was right before the Sunday night start. And I said, it's real smart them running him out there with a possible elbow injury. And it was not, you know, sarcastically, I said it, it was not very smart because, you know, if you want to let him hit and he's not going to do, you know, 98% chance, he doesn't do any further damage to that elbow. Fine. Just because he said he wanted to pitch, you invested so much money in this guy. Let him have off-season surgery to clean up whatever it is. Let him be ready for spring training, and you're fine. Now, I don't even know if he's going to be able to hit because you have to put your arm in that big-ass sling for however long, and you're going to lose him as a pitcher who he was electric when he did pitch for probably a year and a half. It's a sad story because he... This is Angels baseball right here. No, it is. They have not been good for a very long time. And Mike Socha is, I think he's the longest tenured manager in baseball by a mile. One of the best managers in baseball um, for a very long time. He's got a World Series ring on his finger. But aside from that, they have not made good decisions aside from drafting Mike Trout. Your boy. That's my guy. Yeah. I, I just think No, it's... I agree with you. You you said that perfectly. I, I think it's just such a shame because, you know, he's such a provocative story and such an amazing talent from both what he can do from the mound, which I think we all expected him to be. But offensively, he's really become a player that he's become a legitimate threat. And another issue with is if you allow him to hit, where is he playing? You know, DH has to be Pujols. You cannot continue to play him at first base. He's untradeable. 
and he's still got eighty-seven million owed to him. You they, gotta hope he retires. But yeah, he's not gonna he's do not it. He's not gonna do it. He, you can't even do what the Yankees did with A. Rod because when the Yankees released A. Rod, it was in the second half of his last contract year. Pools is under contract through two thousand and twenty-one. You've got three more years owed eighty-seven million to the guy. So you can't play him at first. You're tr- you're gonna try to make certain moves that you know is gonna handicap them, and. Otani, where does he fit? And if you allow him to hit, if God forbid he gets hit on that elbow or he re-injures it doing something, you know, now you lose him as a hitter too. And I, I, I don't know what the future holds for him. It almost seems like in this era of Major League Baseball, as great of a story as it is, I just don't think you can do both. I think you have to make a decision one way or another. What are you going to do? Because you've now essentially lost two players if he goes for Tommy John. You've lost uh, an ace-type pitcher when healthy, and you've lost a nice middle-of-the-order bat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one bright side for the Angels, because you know there really isn't many right now aside from Trout, um, is that they didn't have to pay him that much money. No, they pay, they're of paying him nothing. Free agency thing and all that, but they still have a lot invested but in But remember, after next year, not even service time, he is then eligible to become a free agent. So it'll be interesting to see, does a team and sign think, him to a big deal thinking that now he's healthy? I think that's the reason healthy? why they gave in to his wishes of letting him pitch. But you know somebody's got to somebody should have been able to talk some sense into him saying listen one pitch and you could be out for for the next year and a half and not only is that going to affect us that's going to affect you when you do become a legitimate free agent. Right. And they couldn't do that. They let him pitch and one pitch They had happened. to because that was the only way that he would come over. That was the selling point. That was in the contract. Well, he's he over here. He's signed. Right. He at this point, yeah, he wouldn't. He I'm wouldn't sign about, without. I'm it. not talking about the whole season because at the beginning of the year he was great. He was electric. He was leading the rookie of the year candidacy. But I'm talking about that one game. That was a terrible decision for the Anaheim Angels. And you LA know why? Because it was a Sunday night baseball game. Who gives a fuck? Now they're now they're now he's done. For right. A year well, that and was half. the only national televised game that they would get, and they Congrats. got it because of Otani. Yeah, I hope it really Enjoy helped the ticket revenue. sales. Yep, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, man. It, it's a sad story. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds for him. I think if he goes as a pitcher, he has the capability to be really a top flight pitcher. As a hitter, I think he's a good major league hitter. Somebody's going to have to tell him it's going to be one or the other. It's now proven you can't do both. It's too much. It- I, I think he continues to try and do it for the first couple of years of his career. And you know what? I'd be amazed to see if he's successful. It'd be it, it'd be a really cool story. I think he's got at least two or three more years, even with this Tommy John surgery, of trying to do both. Ultimately, I think you're right. They're going to make him pick. But you know what? He could prove both of us wrong. You never know. Yeah, you never know. I think a lot of it depends on where he goes to. Is it, is it a team that needs to put fans in the seats? You know, they're going to kind of be at his wishes. I mean, that's what the angels were, you know, they're trying to, they were trying to make a splash. There's reason to see trout every single night, but the rest of that team is garbage. You know, pool. Who knows if trout is still on this team after the next few years. Right. I mean, yeah. He's got two more years left on his deal. They trade him. They could, I don't think it'll happen at any point super soon. Cause he's the only reason to go see them other than pool hitting a historic home run, which he's hardly on the field to do. Um, He's other, on the 60-day DL yeah, right now. Other than that. Surgery. Yeah. I other mean, than that, just, there's no reason to see them. But to put a bow on it, you mentioned the, the Cardinals, and you mentioned other really good organizations like the Yankees and a few others. 
If they were in that situation, Otani, I don't care if it was their only primetime game of the year, Otani would not have pitched that game. What if he was a New York Met? Oh, he, they would have <laughs> let him pitch another game after that. You could pitch lefty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that pretty much wraps it up for us. So we're going to be recording tomorrow night with our NFL podcast. Um, we'll see. I think Sean and I are going to be knotted up no matter how this Jets game goes, although it's looking good for the Jets right now, up 17-10 to 10 at halftime. Darnold threw a nice touchdown. Um, so You're rocking your Darnold jersey tonight, too. You can save that for Express tomorrow. Darnold yeah. jersey, yes. So... Um, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be back on tomorrow. So follow us at Sorry Sports on Twitter, Sorry underscore Sports on Instagram. Check out the website, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Yeah, remember to rate and subscribe as well, guys. Thanks. All, All right, a have a good one.